If you'll allow me, please, just a minute. I want to say something uh, that just needs to be said. Five years ago, we were new. We came here exactly five years ago and started working with this congregation March the 1st. So tomorrow, <clears throat> tomorrow marks five years uh, since our family moved to Midland. It's been a quick five years. Uh, it's been a wonderful five years. I want to take just a moment to say thank you for making us feel so welcome so fast. Uh, Midland is home. I remember five years ago, Julie was recovering from surgery. She had just had a couple of days prior for kidney stone. Uh, we moved here, and she was still very sore. Uh, we had two different moving trucks that brought half of it uh, one, uh, one day, and then a few days later, we got the other half of our things. In fact, because of Julie and her uh, situation, we were not here when the first moving truck arrived, and Sister Sharon McKay uh, was one of those who was there, and we didn't know Sister Sharon from anybody, but she was there and met the moving truck and helped to get some things situated even before we arrived. And uh, you have continued to show your love to us in so many ways. Uh, an honor and privilege is mine to work, uh, ours to work under the leadership of Brother Lynn and Brother Terry, the privilege of working with you. Uh, I'd like to say just a moment how much uh, you know, people ask, why would you pack up? Why would you move 12 hours away from home? Why would you move that far away from family? And the answer is, it was an opportunity to work with Brother Mike. That's really what it was. And uh, it is a privilege to work with Brother Mike. He's a blessing to my life and uh, to our family. And he and Cherie and their wonderful example uh, it's an honor to work here and to work with you and by you, and I appreciate you all so much. And it's just on behalf of Julie and our boys, uh, we want to say thank you for a wonderful five years. And uh, to whatever the future holds, we're excited to be here. This is home, and we have moved and never looked back. And we appreciate, I uh, just wanted to say how much we love you and appreciate working with you. Mike started last week's sermon by saying, it's possible that you can... Close your eyes, perhaps, and singing a song, and you can have memories come to mind whenever you sing certain hymns. Well, if I close my eyes and concentrate real hard, I can think about my grandfather. My maternal grandfather was a song leader uh, in the church growing up. I remember many, many Sundays where my grandpa would lead songs. And the song that I asked Brother Thomas to lead just before this sermon, my grandpa led, I don't know how many times throughout my life, I remember we had the gold-colored uh, songs of the church songbook. We praise thee, O God. I believe, I didn't, I didn't look, but I believe it's number 446. I know for sure that it sits on the right-hand page down in the bottom corner. And I remember that my grandpa led that song nearly every time that he was the song leader. And I can concentrate and think about him. I loved him so much. I miss him a great deal. But I can remember my grandpa standing and leading that song, We praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. That word revival is an interesting word. That song is an interesting song, by the way. It was written by a Scotsman named William McKay. This is neither here nor there, but he wrote it in 1875. And his story behind it is kind of interesting because Mr. McKay, he, he never intended really to do what he did in life, but 
he thought about being a minister and going into ministry. Again, he lived in Scotland, and, and he decided that he would become a medical doctor. And so uh, in order to afford to go to medical school, he actually sold his Bible. Can you imagine a Bible being worth enough that it would help you go through med school? But he took his Bible, a gift that was given to him by his mother, and he sold the Bible to be able to afford to go to medical school. And years later, he was attending to a patient in the hospital, and lo and behold, he looked down into the hands of a dying patient. And there was his mother's Bible. There was the gift that had been given to him in the hands of a dying patient. And it was there that he decided he would not be a medical doctor any longer, and he went into ministry. He was not a member of the church. He was not a Christian, but he went into ministry, and he wrote this song. We praise Thee, O God. Revive us again. Consequently, he also wrote, Guide us, O Thou Great Jehovah. Those, those would be the two songs that we know best of William McKay. He lived to be only 46 years old. He died in a fall. But this is one of the, the songs that he wrote. And under it, he penned Habakkuk 3 in verse 2 that Brother Rob read for us just a moment ago. And so I want to look at the, at the words of Habakkuk. And again, if you've not yet found Habakkuk in your Bible, I'll give you a few more minutes. It's not one that you turn to very often, but the book of Habakkuk is a very interesting one. So while you're turning to Habakkuk, let me give you a picture of revival. And again, you don't need to turn because you can remember this and think about it. But remember, the, the brothers of Joseph sold him into slavery. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 37 that they killed a goat so that they could have the blood of that goat, and they dipped Joseph's coat of many colors into that blood, and then they took the coat to their father and allowed him to reach the conclusion that they wanted him to reach. They wanted him to conclude in his mind that Joseph was dead. They knew that he wasn't, but they wanted their father to conclude that Joseph was dead. And that's exactly the conclusion that he reached. He reached the conclusion that my son is dead. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 35 that his soul died within him. He says, I will go down to the grave in mourning. Some of you know that feeling very well. I, personally, I, I don't know that thought, but, but there are many sitting here this morning. You know exactly what he was saying. My soul is going to go down to the grave in mourning. And then you fast forward in time, and in Genesis chapter 45, Joseph learns that his son, in fact, was not dead. And so what had happened and taken place years earlier, now he, the Bible says after learning that his son was alive in Genesis 45 and verse 28, the Bible says that his soul revived within him. Now you can picture that too, right? You can see how a soul would die upon learning that your son, your favorite son, in fact, was dead. And how upon learning that he now is alive, how your spirit would revive. Well, that's what we're talking about today. This revival of spirit. This revival of attitude. Coming alive. I want you to think about it. Now, again, Mr. McKay, he had penned Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. The book of Habakkuk to me is fascinating. It's a three-chapter fascinating book. It's backwards in so many ways. If you read the major prophets, the longer prophet, prophetical books, and then you read the minor prophets, Habakkuk is backwards. Almost always you have God coming to the prophet and saying, I need you to deliver a message to my people. That's how most of the prophets work, right? God speaks to them and they speak to his people. Habakkuk is exactly backwards. 
Because now, on behalf of the people, Habakkuk is going to God. God doesn't come to him first, he goes to God. And so let me summarize the book of Habakkuk very quickly for you. Because again, I am fascinated by it, and I want you to think about it with me. Here's, here's a summary. This is, uh, again, words of Adam. This is you know, just summarizing what Habakkuk says. But if you look there in chapter 1 and verse 2, you have Habakkuk going to God. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you do not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Here's the summation. God, why aren't you addressing the problem? Habakkuk says, God, I'm looking at your people. I'm looking at your people and I am seeing violence and I am seeing injustice. I am watching your people treat your people violently and there is no justice. You know, the the poor are crying out for justice and God, are you paying attention? Do you see what's happening to your people? Do you care? Are you concerned? Are you there? You ever felt that way? God, do you see what I'm going through? God, are you listening to me? God, do you understand what's going on in my life? Well, Habakkuk is human, isn't he? He's asking a question. He's being honest. God, I'm watching all of this problem around me. It's surrounding us, and we can't tell that you're involved. We can't tell that you're doing anything. Well, this prompts a response from God. And here is God's response. Habakkuk, I am doing something, actually. I am doing something. And so you pick up in verse number 5. He says, God says, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe, though it were told you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Habakkuk, I got something that even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. But I'll tell you anyway. I'm sending a nation against my people, actually. I I do see violence and I see injustice. I am watching what is going on in your life and in the lives of my people. And Habakkuk, I want you to know that I do have a plan and I'm going to set it in motion very, very quickly. In fact, it already is in motion. This is something that's going to happen in your days, actually. He says, uh, I'm going to bring the heathen Chaldeans. We know better, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army. They're actually on the march and they are coming for you. They are going to take you, uh, come over and overtake my people. So Habakkuk, yes, I do know what's coming. I, I do have a plan. I am paying attention. I am very much involved and very much engaged. I know exactly what's going to take place. And so Habakkuk responds to this by saying, God, Are you sure about that? Are you sure that's what you want to do? Again, you pick up reading in verse number, uh, dropping down to uh, verse number 12. And he says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O Rock, you, you have marked them for correction. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? Summation, God, 
are you sure? Is this really the plan? You're going to use the wicked heathen Chaldeans to come in here and help us? I mean, to take us over? I mean, help you take us over? That's what you want to do? Are you sure about that? I mean, again, God, I, I recognize that you have a plan, but I want you to notice that in all of this, God never rebukes Habakkuk. And that tells us something. God saw where Habakkuk was coming from. He saw his honesty. And Habakkuk never disrespected God. Notice the terms that he uses from God. He calls Him everlasting. He is my God. He is the Holy One. He is the Lord. He is the Rock. He is the One with pure eyes. Habakkuk understood who he was talking to, though he was questioning what God had in mind. God, is that really what you want to do? Is that really going to be the plan? You're going to bring in heathens to take over your people? Why would you allow the wicked to punish the righteous? This is important. Habakkuk, this is all I want you to do. Habakkuk, I want you just to write down what I say. This is key. This is what I want you to see. If you drop down to chapter 2, God responds a second time. And verse 2 says, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Habakkuk, all I need you to do is write down exactly what I say. And if you will write down what I say and you will tell it to the people... The righteous, the faithful will read it and they will run and they will be safe. The proud, the haughty, the arrogant, the ones who are responsible for the injustice, the ones who are against me, they will be lost. But those who will listen will be saved. Habakkuk, that's on you. Write it down. This is going to happen. My plan is in place, and you need to write it down so that people who will obey me can be saved. Consequently, brethren and friends, that's our responsibility today. Our responsibility is not to know every nuance of God's plan. Our responsibility is not to know the ins and outs of every single command that God gives. Our responsibility is to say and do what God says and tell it to others that they may be saved. That's my responsibility and yours. We need to leave the plan and the commands to God, and we need to obey Him, and that's it. That's what we're about. So I say, you know, that to say, this is, this is what the Bible tells us. This is kind of a summation. And so then you get into chapter 3. Now imagine being in Habakkuk's shoes, and you've questioned God, you know, why are you allowing this to happen? And God says, I've got a plan for this, and this is how it's going to play out. Habakkuk says, are you sure about that? Is that really what you want to do? And God says, that's exactly what I'm going to do. You write it down, and you tell the people. That's it. How do you respond now? You're in Habakkuk's shoes. What do you say now? Well, it's chapter 3 of Habakkuk. It reads like one of the Psalms. It's one of the most beautiful chapters there is in all of the Bible. And we're not going to read it all today, but, but I would encourage you to do so, and do so soon. It will bless your life. Habakkuk chapter 3 is a wonderful picture of praise. 
It's a prayer, and in this prayer, Habakkuk understands and reminds us who God is. He reminds us that it is God who is all-powerful. It reminds us that He is a God who is all-merciful. It reminds us that there is a God who alone is wise, and a God who alone is eternal. You see, God, He's had a plan from the beginning. He knows how all of this plays itself out. We're here and our lives are but a shadow, the Bible says. We're here and then we're gone. But God God is. And I think at times we need to be reminded. We, we think that all these issues and is God there and is He paying attention? I think that's a very human side of all of us. But Habakkuk in the end, he, he sees who God is. And this is his, his conclusion. This is what he has to say. And we see that in chapter 3 and verse 2, right? That Brother Rob read again for us a moment ago. And he says... Lord, revive your work in the midst of your years. In the midst of your years, make it known. But in your wrath, remember mercy. And he remembers the merciful God that you and I continue to serve today. But God, revive your work. Do your work. Do what you've intended to do. Wouldn't it be great if we all had that kind of attitude toward God? God, I live in your world. I'm a part of your world. You you are eternal. And we stand in awe of you and who you are. Here's the great conclusion that he reaches in the end. In verse number 17, he says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and though there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and He will make me walk on my high hills. Not heels, hills. To the chief musician with my stringed instruments, it concludes. But listen, brethren and friends, this is what it's all about. You know, we we have a tendency in our lives to, to think about the problems and to think about the issues. And we're very human and these things come upon us. We, we have issues with health, we have issues with family, we have issues in our lives. Uh, Habakkuk had issues that were going on around him, and, and maybe his faith was being uh, questioned a little bit, and, and God, I know that you're there, but are you really, really there? Are you really paying attention? And God says, I'm really, really here, and I'm really, really paying attention, and I really have a plan, and I know how all this is going to play itself out. And so, in the end, Habakkuk says, God... It all may fall apart for me. There may be no harvest. There may be no food. There may be no animals. There may be nothing of value in my life. Yet, I will find joy in my salvation. I'll find joy in you. What a message is the book of Habakkuk. The faith that he finds in God. You can see that he's downtrodden in the beginning. But in the end... Chapter 3, in the great conclusion that he reaches, you can see this revival, right? You can see that he has been restored. He finds joy in God and joy in his salvation. May we do the same. May we be about the same. May we find this picture of revival in our lives. Let me show you a second context, a second text outside of Habakkuk. Go with me over to the Psalms. Go with me to Psalm 85. And I want you to notice this psalm with me in the time that we have this morning. Again, I'll be 
fairly brief, uh, more brief really than I want to be. But in Psalm 85, I go to Psalm 85 because, again, we have this phrase, revive us again, is in Psalm 85 and verse number 6. Revive us again. And that's where I want you to, to think with me. But it's interesting that Habakkuk takes place before Babylonian captivity, the captivity of God's people, the punishment of God's people. Psalm 85 seems to be a picture following captivity, directly following. So you have directly preceding, and now you have directly following Babylonian captivity. This is what the psalm says in Psalm 85 and verse 1. Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You've forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God, of our salvation, and cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Bonus verse 7, show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. If you want to summarize this great psalm, you might say the first three verses are them displaying gratitude to God. God, You have brought us back. You have delivered us out of captivity. In a very real way, he said in verse 2, You have forgiven the iniquity of Your people. You have covered our sins. God, we are grateful to You for what You have done, for the blessings that You have provided. You have delivered us physically, but more than that, spiritually, You have forgiven us. You have covered our sins. Gratitude. You know, those who experience a revival, a renewal, refreshing, are those who understand what God has done for them spiritually. God, you have blessed me with all physical blessings, but more than that, all spiritual blessings as Christians are found in Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse 3, God, you have granted all of this to me. Gratitude for what God has done. And then in verses 4 through 6 or 4 through 7, if you will, We have a prayer for revival. God, revive us again. And so I want you now to consider with me that phrase. There are four things that that phrase implies, and I want you to consider it with me. Revive us again. We find that in verse number 6 of this psalm. Revive us again. What does that imply? Number one, it implies that there are times of decline in our lives. If you need revival, revival implies that there is first decline. If you don't decline, then you don't need revived. If Jacob's soul or spirit had never died or he went down in mourning, he wouldn't have needed reviving when he finds out that Joseph is alive. It implies that there is decline. There are going to be times of decline in your life, in my life. Some of the strongest What I would consider strongest Christians that I know have experienced down times in their lives. They go through tough times. They go through those times when they are questioning, God, are you there? Are you listening? Can I really shoulder the burden that I'm I'm carrying? Can I really get through this? It's real. Let's just be real. There are times when we need revival because there are times when we are in decline. There are times when it seems that life is getting the best of us. Those times happen. They come. We need to be honest about it. 
There is no need for revival if there is no such thing as decline. But it is real, and we need to know that. But in those times, where do we find the psalmist going? Where do we find Habakkuk going? Whom does he address? He addresses God. The psalmist goes to God. God, I need your help. Please, revive me again. God, you have delivered us out of captivity. You have forgiven us of our iniquity. Revive us again. Build us back up. Help us to find you. Go to God. There are a lot of people going through difficult times in their lives, and they're down, and they don't know how to get up because they don't know who to address. We need to know who to address. God is always there. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm, not, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm not going anywhere. Habakkuk found out that God was there, that He had never left. May we discover the same. That God is always with us. Revive us again. You go to God in those times for help and, and refer, refreshment. God is there. Revival is something that is necessary frequently. You know what? Decline doesn't just happen once in our lives. There are times of, of moments where we might feel down and we might have drifted away from the Lord even though He never moved. There are times that we may feel that we have moved away from Him. Well, guess what? They may happen more than once in your life. That's why there's the word, again, revive us again. It doesn't say revive us once. Revive us again. This is something that we, we need to continually be, be thinking about. God, continue to keep me alive. Continue to keep me refreshed. Continue to remind me of who you are and how much I need you. Again. 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 Number four. It's coming. It went. Revival should bring us great joy. You know, Habakkuk, when he concludes, talks about the joy of salvation, doesn't he? And in Psalm 85 and verse 6, will you not revive us again that your people may what? Rejoice in you. Revival is something that brings great joy. When we're made alive again, when that relationship with God is whole and it's where it needs to be and we find ourselves flourishing and things going well, even though the world around us may be falling apart, even though we may be dealing with difficult things in our lives, even though we may be going through some of the most hard things that exist, if we're right with God, He says, find joy in that. Joy. The joy of being a Christian. The joy of, of being, having hope of going on to be with God. The joy of knowing that one day, as we remind our boys, one day all is going to burn. We can go to be with God. Joy in our salvation. Find joy in being right with God. That's what we see in these verses, isn't it? We praise Thee, O God. Some people sing that with a scowl on their face. Or they sing it like mumbling. We praise Thee, O God. You can't sing that song and not find joy in it. We praise Thee, O God, for the Son of Thy love. We have every reason to rejoice because we have a Savior. Our joy is found in Jesus. Our joy is found in the fact that God has provided for us salvation. For Jesus who died and is now gone above, all glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who has borne all our sins and cleansed every stain. There's reason to rejoice. 
There's reason to worship, there's reason to praise, and we need to be reminded from time to time that no one has this, but God's people have, has this, and we need to be reminded. So, I conclude with four areas that maybe in our lives we need to revive. I'll be brief, I'll be brief as I can, I promise, but I want you to think about these with me briefly. Four areas where we need revival in our lives as God's people, where we need to find joy as God's people. God, help me to be revived in my appetite for the spiritual. I have a pretty healthy physical appetite, a pretty healthy appetite for food. How's your appetite for spiritual things? God, help me to revive my spiritual appetite to desire that which is spiritual. Hunger and thirst. God, help me to hunger and thirst after righteousness. How about that? How are we doing with this? I'm telling you, you know, there, there, are, there are times where we all, we all struggle. We all find ourselves burdened with the physical, and life gets the best of us, and sometimes the upper hand. But God, help me to revive and be revived in my appetite for the spiritual. Help me to be reminded to add to my faith those seven beautiful things explained there in 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 11. God, help me to remember that Jesus died and He gave Himself for me and that if I will continue with Him, there is an entrance supplied into that everlasting kingdom. Help me to remember that, God. Help me to remember You and all that You provide. Help me to be revived in my appetite for the spiritual. God, help me to have a revival in my appetite and my love for your word. Psalm 119, if you want to know about the Bible and how you should think about the Bible, well, there are 172 verses, the longest chapter in all of the Bible, Psalm 119, and you will find the word revival at least nine times in those verses. God, revive me according to your statutes. God, revive me according to your commandments. God, revive me according to your word. Psalm 119, nine times. God, revive me according to your word. You remember in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Peter says, uh, you know, God, we want to have a desire for your word as newborn babes. Desire the pure milk of your word as newborn babes. We've got several young ones here and... Some of us have ones that were young not long ago. And, and you mamas, more than you daddies probably, you, you know how much babies desire that milk. You know they'll get you up at any hour of the night. They don't care. When they're hungry, they will cry out for that milk. They've got to have it. They don't care about how you feel. <laughs> they don't care about how tired you are. They don't care about anything except getting it. Don't you want that attitude about God's Word? God, help me to have a revival, to look at your Word and to see how much your love is displayed in these pages, to see your power displayed in these pages, to see your grace displayed in these pages, to see your mercy displayed in these pages, to see your plan for me and my salvation in these pages. God, help me to have a revival in my love for your Word. God, help me to have a revival and desire to be holy. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, you may already be close. But if you look there in 1 Peter chapter 1, I would just remind you of these words beginning in verse number 13. 
where the Apostle Peter writes, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers. But listen, you were redeemed, he says in verse 19, with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last last times for you who through Him believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. You be holy, the Bible says, for I, for God is holy. But what's motivating my holiness? It's the price that was paid for my salvation. I have been redeemed not with gold or silver or corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ that motivates Everything I do, God help me to be revived in my desire to be holy, to be set apart for you and your service. God help me not to get too attached to the things in this life. God help me to know that all of this one day is going to burn up. Please help me to strive to be holy, to have my priorities straight, to have my interests where they need to be, Brethren and friends, it's just not easy. It's not easy to have our priorities straight. It's not easy to to always be motivated by the right things. But this is the right thing. This is what it's all about. God, help me to remember Jesus and the sacrifice that that was made on my behalf. Revive me in me a spirit or desire for holiness. And the last thing I would say, God, help me to have a passion for those who are lost. Help me. You know, you ask somebody what their passion is, and you don't have to listen very long, and and you'll discover their passion. You'll discover what what makes them tick. You'll discover what they're about. You'll get pictures of grandkids. You'll get pictures of kids. And you'll get talk about their job and and what they do. And and, and it won't take long. They'll talk about the Jayhawks or the, the Red Raiders or whoever it is. And they'll, they'll, they'll tell you, you know, what they're passionate about. And they'll tell you what they're all about. What's your passion? Is it holiness? Is it the spiritual? Is it the Word of God? What is it? What makes you tick? What are you passionate about? I know people who lose a dog and they go to such great lengths. I mean, they'll find the latest picture and they'll put it on a piece of paper and they'll print a copy of that a thousand times and they'll put it all over a thousand different places. They'll post it so that everybody can see. They'll put it on social media. They'll put it on the neighborhood Facebook page. They'll post it by the mailbox for everyone to see. They will go to great lengths to find a lost dog. What great lengths are we going to to find lost people, lost souls? I'm convinced I'm convinced that we are living in days where people are searching. They're searching for hope. They're searching for something great. They're they're down and they're depressed and they're like Habakkuk and they're watching the world kind of fall apart around them. And they're asking about God and, and is there something bigger? Is there something better? 
What am I living for? My life has no direction. Where am I going? We need people to just stand up and open the Bible. Listen, I think that we're at a point where we need to engage in Bible conversation. I think the conversation needs to be had. But, but I think we're too interested in answering questions and not interested enough in opening the Bible. We need studies. People need to open the Bible and see it for themselves. They don't need you just to answer their questions. They need you to study with them. That's what we need to be about. A passion for lost souls. God, help me to have a revival for those who are lost. God, just help me to be alive. Help me to find my joy in You. Help me to remember the price that was paid so that I can be saved. Help me to remember that I have a Savior who gives me hope of life beyond this one. Because if this life is all there is, we're the most pitied, the pitiable. We're to be pitied. There's not life just here. We're going somewhere. God, help us to be alive. Help us to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. This, brethren, is what I've come today to help us to think about Again, a revival that we need to to have in our own lives. Uh, Thinking about this very personal. Not looking at someone else, but looking at me. And help me to be revived. Help me to be alive. So that we can serve and do those things pleasing in His sight. This morning as a Christian, if you see this need in your life, won't you please ask God to help you? Won't you please beg God to, to remind you of all that He's done for you and the blessings that you find in your Savior? Remind us of of the spiritual blessings that we possess, that we are forgiven of our sins, but maybe there's sin in your life today that that needs to be forgiven. Maybe you need to respond in a public way. The Lord's invitation is extended to you. And if you need to come forward this morning, if you need to ask for the help of your brethren, if we can put our arms around you and pray for you, then that's all we want to do. If you need to come forward this morning as a Christian, please do. But my friend, if you're not a Christian... You can be made alive today. You can put off that old man of sin and you can put on the Lord. And you do that by obeying God and what He says you must in order to be saved. These are not Adam's Adam's plan of salvation. This is God's plan of salvation. This is what God says you must do if you want to be saved. Do you believe today that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you willing to make that confession, to repent of sin in your life, to be immersed in the waters of baptism, putting that old man of sin to death and rising to walk in newness of life, meeting the blood of Jesus, having your sins forgiven, washed away, forget, forgotten. Well, this morning, the Lord's invitation is extended. And if you need to respond, then please do, by coming now, as together we stand.